Well, hasn't it been a great day in the Lord already today? I tell you what, if you could not see God moving today, stay after. I need to check your pulse. I think there's something wrong. We not only heard great testimony of what God is doing, but uh, it's exciting for me to report we had another person accept Christ after second service as a result of what the Lord is doing. Let's give praise to the Lord. Amen. Well, grab your Bible, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. We'll be in chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 tonight as we're in this series, Staying the Course, Walking Through Loosely Through the Book of 2 Thessalonians, beginning to see what God has for us to help us stay the course in the life that He's called us to. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. With this in mind... We constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to be able to come to your word and to hear your voice again and again. Lord, would you breathe on your scriptures, not just to give us a a good talk, but Lord, would you allow them to become living and active in our heart again. In your name I pray, amen. Tonight we're looking at staying the course through prayer. Paul is talking to his Thessalonian friends, and he's referencing prayer, and we're going to see the importance of that tonight. But before we get to that scripture specifically, I want to back up and look at this idea of prayer. I want to argue that in our culture, in North America, just about every person believes in prayer of some kind. They may not believe in God. They may not be religious. They may not care about morals, but you put them in the right situation, and they're going to offer up a prayer. If it's at the fourth quarter, at the end of a very important game, it's that last moment, they throw up a Hail Mary prayer. They will do just about anything. I've heard reports of those who don't even believe in God, atheists, when their life is on the line, they send up some kind of prayer just in in case. I'm not quite sure who they're praying to when that happens, but it's not so much a question of if we believe in prayer. It's more of a question, do we pray? In fact, jot that down. The issue is not, do I believe in prayer? The issue is, do I pray? So I don't bring you the word of the Lord tonight to to check and see how much do you believe in prayer. The question is, how much do you and I actually utilize this gift, this communication path the Lord gives to us in prayer? And when I do pray, when you pray, how many of our prayers are filled with requests and thoughts of ourselves? You know, the Lord's Prayer affirms some biblical truths about prayer, some principles about prayer. One of the most important is that prayer is not primarily asking God for things. Though it's not wrong to ask God for things, that's not primarily what prayer is. If we view this as a cosmic vending machine where we go up to God and we hit A7 and out comes whatever it is we want to have, this is not an idea, or at least a biblical idea of prayer. This is something else. Prayer is not so much asking things from God. 
Prayer is primarily getting to know Him and asking for the things that are important to Him. Prayer is understanding that God has chosen to accomplish His will here on earth through us crying out to Him. Consequently, it must be our first priority to pray, not our last resort. It's not go work and do all that you can when all else fails, then go to God in prayer. The Lord longs for that to be reversed, that we go to Him first, cry out in prayer, and then move in obedience in what He calls us to do. A.J. Gordon puts it this way, You can never do more than pray until you have prayed. It's not saying that there's nothing to do, there's no action, there's no traction that you take, but until you have prayed, you shouldn't even take action. You need to pray first and obey second. The most important thing that you and I can do for someone is to pray for them. We often believe that, but I'm wondering how we practice that at times. I came across this writing of some quote-unquote Murphy's Law of Prayers of, you know, when, when the worst thing can happen at the worst time, it happens then. These ideas of things about prayer that it shouldn't be this way, but sometimes it happens for us in our faith community. The first is this. People forget to pray for others in direct proportion to the frequency in which they say, I'll pray about that. Have you found yourself or others around you, they, they would throw out that thought or that phrase over and over again, but does it ever cross our mind, did I ever pray for that? Will I ever pray for that? Another thought of this is that at any given moment, a high percentage of people in a prayer gathering will not be paying attention to your prayer. 55%, one said, may be daydreaming. 20% will be talking about what they're going to say, thinking about it with the Lord. 14% will be wishing that you wouldn't blab on so long. And 5% have their eyes open, looking for the exit. And maybe 1% are wondering why their socks don't match. It's amazing how our minds can wander when we go to prayer. I don't know about you, but all the things that I didn't get done or all the to-do list comes quickly to my mind when I pray. That's why, I think it's a great pattern in prayer, keep a pad of paper, keep a note file open on your device, and as soon as that letter or email that you have not written comes to mind, jot down the subject and then go back into prayer. As soon as you remember, oh, I did not do that chore, I did not talk to them, write it down, leave it there, type it down, leave it there, and go back into prayer. We're going to begin seeing how important it is, not just to Paul, but all throughout Scripture, this power of prayer helping us stay the course with the Lord. My goal tonight is not to put a guilt trip on you or me about the amount of prayer we have, but rather to motivate us to grow in our prayer life, to help us understand how vital and powerful not only prayer is to the kingdom, but how vital it is for you and I to stay the course in our faith. Prayer is so important that Paul admonishes his Thessalonian friends to pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the first letter of what we're looking at tonight, he says, pray continually. This doesn't mean that it's nonstop verbal praying. It means cultivating an attitude, a lifestyle of prayer. It means enjoying such a close relationship with Jesus that you can talk with him, listen to him, at any given moment of the day. I like how one has written down that they asked this dear cleaning lady what their method of prayer was. She responded, I, I don't know anything about methods, but I, I guess I know a thing or two about prayer. 
This cleaning lady replied, when I pray, I, I just do this. When I'm washing my clothes, I pray, Lord, wash and clean my heart. When I'm ironing, Lord, I pray, iron out the troubles that I can't do anything about. When I'm sweeping the floor, I pray, Lord, sweep clean all the hidden corners of my life. Could it be that this open thought process with God could be an avenue of prayer? That as you move into a situation, you say, Lord, how can I turn this into a conversation with you? It's not so much this constant stream of verbal requests to God that he longs for in prayer as much as an open heart listening and being willing to talk to him about what's going on in our world. I want to offer to us tonight a a few reasons why our prayers are so important. I draw these observations from a number of biblical teachings, but it's not just from opinion, it's from God's word. The first is this, why your prayer is so important. One, because you and I are cooperating with God when we pray. Remember the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When I pray in cooperation with God in His purpose, I can pray His will be done here on earth with authority. John Wesley is credited with saying, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. What do you think about that? I admit when I first read that uh, a decade ago, I, I was influenced by who said it. Because if it wasn't who said it, I quickly would have dismissed it and thought, that sounds crazy. But wait a minute. What was John, one of our direct fathers who helped lead us to where we're at right here? God does nothing except through answer to prayer. When we begin to study this thought and this concept, we begin to see that it's not so much that God cannot do anything, but it's that He has chosen to limit Himself because of His purposes to work through us, through His kids who cry out to Him on His behalf. We are partners with God when we pray. We don't pray passively and sit back and watch God work. We have a vital part to play actively in God's kingdom. Now, sometimes we get this skewed idea of of how we pray and what we pray and what it means to influence the Father. And I kind of like the thought of what T.D. Jakes, pastor of the Potter's House in Dallas, said about prayer. He said, I've been working on my calories prayer. And when I get it all together, I'm going to pray calories right out of food. But I need to let you know I haven't quite mastered it yet, he said. As for now, the prayer will work, but you've got to be jogging while you pray. You know, we have to cooperate with God in prayer. Prayer is not our cop-out to tell God what we want Him to do, and somehow where we have surrendered to Him, that comes off the table, and now we demand that He surrenders to us. In fact, prayer is quite the opposite. I need to be careful. I'm not just saying, God, give me your hocus-pocus and wave your magic wand and do exactly what I want, take all the calories out of this food. But Lord, am I even praying in the direction you want me to pray? Is that what you're most concerned about? Or could I be in the act of obedience and begin to see that you're already doing what it is my heart cries out for? Second, why our prayers are important is that for you and me, our perspective changes. Prayer refocuses our perspective. Without prayer, I only see the physical, the visible. In prayer, I begin to see through the Lord's help the deeper spiritual realities that are at work. Prayer blows the dust off the lens of my life, and I can see through the visible and into God's invisible spiritual realm. Third, prayer 
Why is it so important? Because my fears, your fears, can be calmed. I can't remember the last time I came out of prayer feeling nervous. Often I go into prayer with anxieties or cares or worries or whatever it's on my heart, but I don't leave with them. If I spend time with the Lord, I can leave them there. Prayer is to calm our nerves, quiet our fears. It's the greatest stress buster. Start developing a habit, a pattern of prayer. One of the problems with the rub-a-dub-dub things for the grub prayers is because they no longer become our talk to God. It becomes some phrase we say. Now I lay me down to sleep. It is a good prayer for a three or four year old, maybe before they go to bed. But if that's the limit of our prayers, is some memorized rehearsal. Now here's what happens. I doubt few of you use those in your prayers, but we all have our own rub-a-dub-dubs. I can slip into them. You can. The people you know the best, you can hear it. Oh, I bet I could finish their phrase. Oh, I know what's coming next. There's nothing wrong in that. But if that is the limit of our prayer, it's just the memorized, rehearsed phrase, then we are missing the heart. Now, in the same token, we don't need to pour over every single word and fret and say, well, did I say this yesterday and could I not say this? The Lord knows our heart, but friend, He's calling us to be grounded in prayer. If you have any hope, if I have any hope of staying the course, it only comes through prayer. Fourth, why our prayers are so important, because our burdens are lifted. Remember this, essentially, prayer transforms the burdens that God never meant for you to carry and puts them squarely on His back where they belong. Prayer takes the big load that you've been carrying and shifts it to His shoulders, to the one who can handle it. Are you overwhelmed? Are you weary? Run to God in prayer. Another reason why prayer is so important to you, your prayers are so important, is that others can be strengthened. This is the purpose that Paul addresses here in the verses that we're looking at tonight. And prayer not only lifts his burdens, but it lifts the burdens of others and strengthens them and gives them the certainty of God's presence and his promise that he has for them. And the word we use for that that we're going to key in on tonight is this idea of intercession. Jot this down. Intercession occurs when you or I wrestle in prayer for others. This idea of wrestling in prayer for others. This is what Paul is referencing in Second Thessalonians, excuse me, in Colossians four twelve. We see that he references one who is wrestling with others, wrestling with with God in prayer and bringing those to Him. This is not just our idea or some new thought of what it means to intercede. This is God's call to us to stand in the gap for someone else. Intercession is wrestling in behalf of someone in prayer. The root word of this is agony. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun? Give me some of that agony prayer. It's this idea that you and I are entering into the hard work of prayer. It's hard because we're wrestling against the dark spiritual forces that the enemy is trying to discourage and destroy the one that we're lifting up. We don't take that on ourselves, but we wage war, praying God's will into their life. It's hard work, yes, but it is effective work. For intercession releases the power of God to destroy Satan's grip on a person. And friend, you and I are one of those people. It calls us into that understanding of what God is doing. I hope we're beginning to see how important and powerful prayer is. 
So let's continue in this thought and let's be reminded of why the Apostle Paul interceded for the Thessalonian friends he talks about. This is the framework in which I believe Paul is writing these words. So let's look at the scripture in front of you, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12 that we just read. First, Paul writes, to this end also we pray for you always. First thing that jumps out to me is this, that he prayed for them constantly. Paul admonished them in the first letter, pray continually. We just talked about that. Now he's backing it up with his example. Paul practiced what he preached. I love the consistency in Paul's example. We find in his other writings where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He was not full of himself. He was full of the Lord. And he's saying, if you can follow Christ the way I follow Christ, you won't be perfect in and of yourself, but you will be fixed on Jesus. This was the root of his intercession. He prayed for them consistently. There are a few people who pray for me every single day. You don't know what an encouragement that is for me. There is no way that I can lead this church without the constant prayer support of people like you. I'm constantly asking God to raise up more intercessors to pray for me, to pray for the staff, to pray for the ministries of this church. Because, you know, we will only advance in this ministry as we advance on our knees before the Lord. Paul prayed with the same consistency for his friends. Many years I have asked the Lord, Lord, if you bring a person to my mind, I will pray for them. And so I'll share with others, as as often as the Lord brings you to my mind, I'm going to be praying for you. And so that means if you come to my mind, I'm not going to think about you. I'm going to pray for you. As the Lord brought a friend to your mind, brought a situation to your mind, could it be that God is calling you into intercessory prayer, not just to, to have your own thought on what they have done or where they're at or what's going on in their world? Also, instead of saying, you know what, I'll pray for you, what if we would make it a pattern to just stop and say, yeah, I may pray for you later, but right now, can we pray now? It's not the length of our prayer, but the focus of our prayer that is so powerful. Look on the text. Text continues on, that our God may count you worthy of your calling. We see that Paul prayed that they would realize God's purpose. It may be a new thought to you, but God has a calling for every single person who is alive. Everyone who's a child of His, who's following on obedience to Him. That includes you and every other Christian that you lock eyes with. He doesn't just call pastors. He doesn't just call missionaries. He calls every believer. A call from God is nothing more or less than knowing and fulfilling His purpose for your life. When you pray for someone, ask them to share with you their calling, their passion, God's mission for their life, and pray that purpose. Pray that that will be fulfilled in their calling in their life. And when you do that, you can have confidence that you are praying with authority and praying the very will of God for them. If they can't articulate to you their purpose, many Christians can't articulate that, then pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to them His purpose for their life and pray that they will make decisions based on the kingdom of God in their life, not on their own desires. Now notice, Paul doesn't pray that their pain and suffering for his friends would come to an end. And this one was convicting to me today. How often when we pray for others... Do we just quickly jump to praying that they would have no more pain or suffering? 
Could it be that Paul understood that God allowed suffering, pain, and trials into their lives to build character that made them more like Christ? Instead, he prays that God will use whatever is necessary to accomplish his great purpose for them. Could we learn from Paul in this and to stay the course in prayer by praying for our friends to know how and to discover God's will in their life? The text goes on, and to fulfill every desire for goodness. What in the world does this mean? Well, the word desire literally means to resolve. They had resolved that goodness would be one of the things that they were committed to. And so in other words, Paul is praying that they would fulfill their commitments, what God has called them to, that they would make good, that they would follow through on their commitments to the Lord. Specifically here, it was the commitments of goodness. In a world of broken promises, the short-term commitments, we need to pray for one another that God would help us follow through on what He has called us to. As we read on, the text says, And the work of faith with power. Paul prayed that the evidence of their faith would be seen through the power of God working in their lives. In other words, here's what Paul prayed. He prayed for the fruition of their labor. See, in the midst of great difficulty, God was using those challenges to build their faith. And Paul prayed that their faithfulness would show forth the power of God in them. See, prayer brings the power of God into our efforts. Without it, our labor is fruitless, ineffective. In order that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified, Paul goes on. And this is the ultimate goal in prayer. Jot this down. He prayed for Jesus Christ to be glorified. What does it mean for Jesus to be glorified? I heard a brother the other day in our discipleship gathering, I I want Jesus to be glorified in this situation. What does that mean? See, when God is to get the glory, that means that I'm not to get the glory. When Jesus is glorified, it may or may not have anything to do with my comfort. When God's glory becomes more important to you than the person you're praying for, their comfort, then you are able to pray effectively for them. I don't always know the specific will of God in every person's life, but I do know that always His will is that Jesus Christ will be glorified. Don't miss this. If you're not sure what to pray for someone when you're interceding, pray that Jesus will be glorified in their life. You can bank on that. That is specific, and it is always in the will of the Father. Would you allow Jesus to be lifted up in their life and what they are going through? When Paul prayed this, it's interesting to me that Not once in his letter does Paul pray that the Thessalonian friends would be relieved from their suffering. It doesn't mean that he didn't care for them or didn't believe that God was able or willing to do a miracle. It just meant that Paul's prayer was so motivated by the divine perspective that he wanted to see God's purpose come through in their life more than anything else. Effective intercession always seeks to bring glory to God through Jesus. Well, what do we do with this? That's that's a good lesson or good talk but what is some life application for us see a a message on prayer means nothing unless we put it into practice so here's some practical directives that we can pray for others i like how pastor swindoll puts a few of these things in one of his writings guidelines for the passage and intercessory prayer that we're reading tonight the first thought is this you and i can enhance our intercession by being specific 
in my prayers for others. When I read that this week, it jumped out at me. Sometimes we do this shotgun approach in prayer. Lord, bless all the missionaries. What if we would try a rifle approach and say, God, would you be in Scott and Jill today? It's not wrong to pray broad, but here's the question. If God answered your prayer, would you have any idea? Help everybody today, God. Maybe he did it. Do you know? Something happens when we pray specific. When we pray specific and we're praying his will, it gets us in alignment with what his will is. and It helps us truly intercede on their behalf. Remember, it's that word agony. We labor over this. We work in this. And the Lord does something in us. But when we just pray such generic prayers, they're almost cheap or easy. It's not that God looks at how much sweat we have and how much sweat we've accomplished and that's how much he answers the prayer. No, no, no. But he says, hey, hey, what if you could be made like me, not only the person you're praying for? I can enhance my intercession by being specific in my prayers for others. I can also enhance my intercession by establishing God's kingdom in my prayer for others. What does that mean? Look at the situation you're praying for through kingdom eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a kingdom perspective into your friend's circumstances. Without it, all you can offer your friend is pity. Just be honest. Tell them you can do nothing. But with a kingdom perspective, you not only can pray, but you can pray with authority and power and confidence with real faith that God will act. We can enhance our intercession by reflecting on faith development in my prayer for others how often is that a core theme in our prayer for our loved ones lord would you develop their faith would you deepen their faith would you strengthen their faith last week in our teaching we observed that god is more interested in building our character than giving us comfort is it possible to pray for someone to be relieved from a painful situation and pray them right out of god's will James puts it this way, don't try to get out from under the trial prematurely. Pray that God will finish his faith-building process in the life of your suffering friend. They need to grow just as much as you do in your faith, much more than we need to be relieved from our inconvenience or pain. We can enhance our intercession by remembering to glorify God in our prayers for others. Pastor Brady, are you like kind of getting dizzy? You already said that. Well, I have, and I'll say it again. Over and over and over and over and over again. The more that we pray that Jesus will be glorified through others, we have confidence that this is absolutely God's will. Coming up here in January, you'll hear more about it in November and the months to come. We're going to take a 40-day period of time as a church to focus in on prayer together. Not that we don't pray all the time, but we're going to say for 40 days, could we make a concerted effort together to unite in prayer, circling what it is that he is calling us to pray about, and not what we necessarily have deemed is the top priority, but Jesus, what do you have for us? And could it be that the Lord wants to begin some foundational work in you and me for that to take place? So as we come to an end tonight... I want to ask that we don't just talk about it and take a few minutes to begin to put into practice what I know is already a part of your pattern, but corporately, 
to understand that here at GPN, we are disciples in training, disciples in commissioning, being sent out. And all the stuff that God has allowed into your life is to equip you to be a better, stronger believer. Either this message is one that we tuck away and say that's a good thought, or one that we put into practice, not because Brady has said it, but because God's Word has been made clear to us. So here's what I'd like us to do in the next eight to ten minutes together. We're going to have just a few moments to begin to enter into a continual prayer. We'll come to a conclusion and we will send you out to go to Culver's, to go to Wendy's, to go home, wherever it is you're going to go, and pray as you walk. I'm going to ask Carrie, would you go ahead and come to the piano and Here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to ask a few friends to join me here, and we're just going to pray out what God puts on our heart. I'm going to ask that Jim Hunt and Heidi Johnson would come and join me up here. And in just a moment, as they lead out, I don't want you just to listen to them pray. I want you to join in and pray with them. So I want you to get in the position that helps you pray best. If that's seated, then you're there. If it's off by yourself a little bit, you've got some sections to your right and to your left that are pretty lonely. You can go sit there. If you want to seek the Lord at the altar, then go there. But here's what I challenge you to do. You wouldn't be here tonight if your heart wasn't hungry, if your faith isn't strong. This is the core that God is calling to intercede in prayer. And so what if we would lock arms together and put Paul's teaching into practice? Let's turn our hearts to prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, as we've just heard your word on prayer, we want to be quick responders in prayer. So Jesus, I ask right now that not just for my brother Jim and for my sister Heidi, that you would put on their heart people or situations or categories that you're calling us to intercede on behalf. But Lord, would you do that for each of us? So Lord, we're going to treat right now the thoughts that come before our mind as either ones that we jot down, we put in a note file on our device, or we write on a piece of paper as a distraction, or a thought that comes from you that we are going to circle that in prayer because you're bringing that to us. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to come to you right now. As our brother Jim leads out in prayer, don't just let him have the fun. You join in and pray with him. Father God, tonight we come to you, and as Brady started off our service tonight by asking us to think about who Jesus was to us, I thank you tonight that you are the conqueror. Would you help us overcome? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the tool of prayer that we can go to you and we can accomplish mighty and uh, mighty things and uh, thank you for the, the your word and how it gives us uh, the assurance that our prayers are heard it said if he abide in me and my words abide in you he shall ask what he will and it shall be done unto you and father god more than anything else help us tonight to abide in you to truly stay connected to you uh, through with a constant conversation of prayer in our lives that uh, that we're always looking to 
communicate and to touch base with you. Thank you, Father, for that uh, this message tonight and all that uh, uh, the privilege that we have. As the song says, what a privilege we uh, as we go to you in prayer. Thank you for that tonight and and help us to continually be in that attitude of prayer as it's, as we do leave this place tonight. Amen. Amen. Father, I join with my brother and I thank you for what you put on Jim's heart of, of the reminder that you're calling us to continual prayer. But Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us enter into that personally this very day, that we won't just put it off, but Lord, that we will begin to experiment with what it means to, in every thought and every word and deed, to include you. And Lord, would you remind us that it's not how long our prayers are that's so powerful, but it's how long we go without praying that is so detrimental. Every five or ten or twenty or thirty minutes, Lord, would you remind us to go to you in our thoughts and to take every thought captive. So thank you, Jesus. We come into agreement with this prayer with our brother. Lord, I believe it is your will. As our sister Heidi leads out now, I encourage you, join with her. Pray with her. Pray what God's put on your heart. Let's intercede together. Holy Spirit, lead us as we pray. Oh, Father God, we give you all honor and glory and praise. Jesus, you are our master. And we are but dust under your feet. Oh, Father God, we ask that you would break the pride and the willfulness in us. And that you would give your people a heart of obedience. And that we would be centered on you, Lord. And then in being, being obedience to you, everything else falls into place, Lord. Take away our willfulness, our self, selfishness, our self-centeredness. Father God, lay open our hearts and allow your spirit to lead us. Forgive us for our hard-heartedness. Forget us, forgive us for putting our interests before yours, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we are in control when we are not. Lord, we want to do what you have in our lives. We want to walk out your plan for us because your plan is the best. And so, Father God, I pray that you would empower us with your resurrection power and that you would break down the self in us shed the flesh in us, Lord. Help us to be more like Jesus every day. We are nothing without you, Jesus. And it is only through you that we can even carry out your will and your plan. We want to give you all glory. We want to point all eyes to you. It is not through our power, but through yours, Jesus. Thank you for your unconditional, endless love. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for always being faithful. And for your constant forgiving heart. And when we mess up, that you are always there to forgive us. 
and to set us back on the right path again. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit upon your people. We want revival. We love you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the favor that you have shown on us. As we studied your words, Jesus, as you told the story of the master who gives out certain talents or bags of resources to his servants and calls them to invest it. Those that did not vary, but those that invested in Saul will return. You said, well done. I will give you even more. Well, I just see that as your your kids here at Grace Point. So many are so faithful in giving of their time and their talent and their treasure. So many who are interceding. And Lord, I just lift up this church body right now and and pray a, a prayer of protection. God, don't protect us from pain. Don't protect us from inconveniences. Don't protect us from not getting what we want. But would you protect us, God, from complacency? Would you protect us, God, from being okay with status quo? Would you protect us, God, from getting distracted and missing what you're doing in the moment? Would you protect us, God, from resting on our and say, man, I was a part of something good in the old days, but it, it's I'm, I'm done. My time's over. God, would you call us into the front lines right now? Would you protect us from being a church that would be off mission or have mission drift? Thank you, Jesus, for how you have brought water in the wastelands to us. But Lord, I know you want to do it again and again and again. Lord, I ask that you would raise up some of my brothers and sisters in this room, that you are calling them to a very high calling. Could it be, God, that you are calling them to be a prayer warrior for this church, for the ministries, for the leaders in this church that may have an impact through all eternity? Jesus, would you stir our heart for the things that was important to you? Let me read in your word, Father, that what makes you wonder the most is the prayerlessness of your people. So, Lord, we don't line up to get a spiritual spanking to have a guilt trip, but, Lord, we want to move and just obey. Lord, would you remind us that it's often a discipline before it's a joy and not to expect it. It's just always things that we enjoy, but, Lord, would you call us into the work and into the labor of interceding on behalf of brothers and sisters around us. Thank you, Father. Lord, you're putting on my heart again. I'm reminded what you told me the day that I walked in this building. Prayer will unite us, not divide us. Lord, would you remind us that it's not about how we pray, it's who we pray to. Lord, I remember Mrs. James, that Sunday school teacher who had a good heart, but maybe some skewed teaching, where she told us when we, we folded our hands and pointed our fingers to heaven, we prayed to you, Jesus. When we folded our fingers down, we prayed to the devil. Lord, it was my first really bad theological lesson. Lord, would you rid us of these silly things that we think of, that we've got to pray this way, we've got to pray that way. I can't pray if this isn't happening. And Lord, would you help us to be united and focus on who we're crying out to? God, would you give us gospel partnerships with people surround us, that we look for people who are hungry for you. I I could care less if they pray like I pray, but I could care over and over again of who they're crying out to. God, would you give us a burden for that in prayer? Thank you, Jesus. I don't know why you've chosen to do it this way. I've told you over and over, I would never have chosen this, but I'm so glad you're God and I'm not. Why you would choose to use us in your divine plan. We are flawed. We are frail. We are inconsistent. 
But Lord, in your great love for us, you want us in the game with you. You invite us into your kingdom work. And so God, instead of us acting like it's, we're put off, that we've got to do something, Lord, would you, would you bring the joy to us of entering into your miraculous work? Lord, I ask that you would give us a vision and a heart to pray big, audacious prayers. Not things that we want, but things that you're putting in our heart that is huge. Lord, when you tell Ward to disciple the world, that just is, I I want to say, are you sure, Ward? Are you sure? But Jesus, I thank you that you're putting a God-sized dream in his heart that that we know Ward can't do it. Lord, would you you pour your, your heart into us tonight? Would you give us vision beyond ourselves? Would you give us a burden and a passion beyond ourselves? Would you stir us, God, and remind us of how great it is to be in your war? Lord, I, I lift up the person in this room tonight that they feel like they're hanging by a thread. Lord, I just pray over them right now. If God is for you, who can be against you? Brother or sister, if that's you, step into it right now. Claim that. That's not my words. That's God's words. If God is for you, who can be against you? I want you to visualize in your mind that obstacle, that problem. This isn't just some self-help exercise. This is God's holy work in prayer. And you claim, you pray that scripture back to God right now. In your own words, you tell him, God, you said, if you're for me, who can be against me? Now acknowledge now. That doesn't mean that you'll always get everything you want, you'll always be comfortable, but it means that his plan cannot be thwarted by the enemy. You cling to his promise. Lord, you have told my brother or sister that you are a strong tower in which that we can run into it, Lord. You are a protector for us. Lord, may they run into it right now. Lord, I I pray for my brother or sister tonight. They love you. They have served you. But there is a cloud of doubt over their heart. They're not evil. I'm not saying anything like that. The enemy is just pouring out doubt over them tonight. Lord, would you give them faith? Jesus, your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word. Brother or sister, I want you to think of every scripture that you've memorized as a child. Any scripture you can think of. I don't care if you feel like it applies or not. You pray that scripture to the Lord. Allow his words to remind you of who he is. Lord, right now, would you increase their faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from your word. The grass withers. The flowers fall. But your word will stand forever. Lord, your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Will you cut right to the heart of what's going on? Thank you, Jesus. Your word is is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting in righteousness. So right now, Jesus, we cling to your word. Jesus, you are the word, the living word. Thank you for increasing our faith in you, not in our own intellect, not in how we feel, but in who you are and what you have said. Now, Lord, as we come to an end in this time, pretty soon we'll be taken off from this place. And my heart is, uh, I want to say fearful, Lord. Maybe it is fearful. It may be just a few seconds before we forget what you've called us into. And so, Lord, I I just, I put it back on you. This is what you asked to do. So, Lord, I I pray that you would remind us 
You will wake us up tonight and call us into prayer. That you will remind us before we eat dinner tonight that, that you are calling us to intercede. Would you remind us tomorrow, God, that you're calling us into this over and over again. And I thank you, Jesus, that this isn't just you trying to get some cheap labor in your workforce. You are calling us into the very thing that can help us stay the course. Thank you for strengthening us through continual prayer. To that, Jesus, we say, let it be so. We agree, Lord, that we think this is your will. If it's not, Lord, would you shape us and direct us? We want to pray your will. So, Lord, we say, let it be so. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, would you stand with me? I'm convinced one of the things that you and I will discover when we get to heaven, maybe soon after we discover a whole new perspective on worship. I didn't get permission, but he lives in Iowa, and the service isn't being recorded, so I'll ask for forgiveness. A friend in Iowa owned a very large John Deere plant. I didn't want for many things in uh, this world. But I remember him saying, uh, you know, I don't really like worship too much. He meant music. I could do without all that stuff. I just want to get a double dose of preaching. As I heard Carl share that, I thought, I love my brother, but something just doesn't quite seem right. Over the years, I've thought about that, not to put him down, but I thought, Lord, do my actions ever live out what Carl thought? If, if you ever find yourself not so sure if you like worship, then I ask you, what are you worshiping? If it's about a song, then yeah, I, I could do without that too. If it's about your preference, then I could do without that too. But if it's about giving worth to Jesus' name and song and speech, there's someone around you this Sunday morning when you come, they need Jesus to ooze off of you. I told you we were done preaching, but I guess I'm not. I told, there's someone who needs to see Jesus oozing off of you the way you're wired. Don't do it like someone else. Don't do it like Brad. Be who you are. Be who you are in Jesus' name, but let it drip off of you. There's something that God wants to do. So, <laughs> as you go tonight, look for ways that you can intercede on God's behalf in kingdom work. God bless you.